0: Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. (laughs) Father God, we are just coming to you today because we want to pass out balloons everywhere. God, we realize it's just a symbol, but Lord, just a balloon, just an invite... To people that need you, that are desperate for you, God, that they don't even know how desperate they are for you. They search in all kinds of ways. They search for all kinds of answers, and we look to our world to give us answers that have, that that, that has none. And Lord, we pray that with the answer we have in our hearts and in our hands, we would somehow reach those that are not uh, in relationship with you right now. But God, that our light would shine, our seeds would be sown, that your love would be realized in the hearts and lives of those around us. God, as we pray this, this 1040 prayer initiative, 10 people for 40 days, Lord, we're on the 30, 30 over 30 days now we've been praying. For our friends, for our family, for our co-workers, for our neighbors, Lord. And we pray that you would just continue to plow that ground and open their hearts and make it possible, Lord, that we would have the childlike faith, the uninhibited faith to believe that if we did something, you would follow through. And so, God, we pray today for salvation of souls. We pray, God, for the, your love, grace, and forgiveness to be made known to this county And to this region, Lord, that we would somehow make a difference. And we thank you and praise you for it. Amen and amen. 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 The only creepy part of that video was a guy taking these little kids to a van. It's like, what's going on there? What's going on there? Oh, I pray that you are uh, continuing to pray. And if you haven't already started to, please... Start now, there's no, it's not too late to start, but you can get a prayer guide and you can get the 1040 Prayer Initiative list and you can put 10 names on there. Begin to pray, begin to invite. We encourage you to get our invite cards. Next week we'll have cards that say uh, 9 and 11 on them and they'll be available to you, but you can use them now um, and invite people to church and, and, uh, and most importantly, invite people to meet Jesus. That's what it's all about. Well, have you ever had an enemy... It's a way to start a message, right? Have you ever had an enemy? Um, the, we're, we're in a series called Unlikely, and um, <clears throat> the, the series is all about unlikely moments with Jesus. And today we're going to address this, this idea that Jesus has an enemy, you and I have an enemy, um, we would label that enemy the devil, um, and an enemy that in, does anything to separate us from God is an enemy of God. And uh, we, we must realize that um, the most powerful method of attack, listen to this, and you can read it on, on, on the screen, the, pow- the most powerful method of attack by an enemy is waged by simply convincing its foe that it does not exist. Our country could be um, deceived in believing that there is no enemy out there. And if we were to believe that, or to believe that the enemy that is an enemy of our country isn't, then we wouldn't be prepared to address it. And so one of the most challenging things is to understand that we have an enemy. The enemy does exist in this world. There is an enemy, and he's an enemy of ours, and, and he's called the devil. Another approach is to act and, and fit into its enemy's culture. If the enemy can fit into our culture and not look like a threat, like a sheep in wool's clothing or a wolf in sheep's clothing, excuse me, a wolf in sheep's clothing, then that's another way of attacking us. Another approach is to eliminate the belief in truth. Another way to, to attack us and to attack our community and attack our country is to reject truth and make truth a, a relevant thing or an irrelevant thing. Another is to promise everything. The devil did this with jesus he said took jesus up onto a high pinnacle and said i'll give you everything but what is real about the enemy is he can give you everything and then ruin you with that very thing he gave you and it's important to realize that we have an enemy if we pay close attention we can see the enemy is on the attack He's on the attack of Christian morals and values. He's on the attack of our voice. He's on the attack of all kinds of things. But today we're not here just to look for an enemy. We're here to realize that the enemy can be defeated. Amen? Every person who even shows the slightest interest in God becomes a target. You need to know that. You need to know and understand, and this, this isn't always the best recruiting tool, okay? But the reality is, is, if you show an interest in God, if you show an interest in a relationship with God, you become a target of the enemy. That doesn't mean that you should avoid your interest in God because the only one who can defeat the enemy is God. And therefore, yeah, you want to hang out and win... You must hang out with the right people. He will first attack your, your, um, his, your belief in his existence. Just like I said earlier, he'll, if he fails there, he will attack the truth in your life. He will tell you. And this is the way he deceived Adam and Eve to buy, take a bite of the jalapeno, is, is that it, he, that's not what God said. He, he, he caused Adam and Eve to doubt the truth and as a result fell If he fails there, he will do everything he can to promise you the world and then ruin you with it. Unlikely, this series is about realizing that Jesus will cross any lines short of sin to reach people with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Even if it means addressing the darkness of this world. Even if it means addressing demons. Even if it means addressing the devil himself. God, Jesus, is not afraid of the enemy. And that's why I love hanging with Jesus. I love being behind Jesus. And, and if the enemy's there, I feel powerful because I'm right behind the guy, the guy that can make the difference. If I'm in front of Jesus and I'm, I'm the one confronting God, I get scared, I get nervous, man. That, the enemy, believe it or not, is stronger than we are. Unless we have Jesus in our heart. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, right? So the big question is this. What do we do when we see people that are obviously beyond our reach? What do we do when we see people that are influenced by the enemy? That are more influenced and entrenched in what the enemy believes and thinks. And even to the point of possession... Which is much too long conversation to have other than to understand that that the the devil cannot possess a Christian. That's the number one uh, concept that I want you guys to embrace, first and foremost. And then I believe he only possesses those that yield to him, their spirit. So what do we do when we see people that are obviously beyond our reach? The People that have been influenced, people that have been given themselves. And, and most of the time, you and I are in the category of, of and, and people, many times Christians are, in the place where we're like, oh, I don't want to go in that, in that environment. That's, that's an ugly environment. My, my, my pastor has told me to stay away from evil, and I, I must stay away from evil. And it, we're to stay separate from evil, but that doesn't mean we aren't to confront it. It doesn't mean that we aren't to address it in the name of Jesus and take authority over it because God is all-powerful. If there is a theological reality that we need to understand as we begin to read this story, it's simply this, is that God is all-powerful. There is nothing to fear when God is on your side. And so when we're confronted with evil, we employ the name of Jesus. The nature of jesus and most importantly the heart of jesus and so let me read this story to you and then we'll come back to the context of this story in just a minute so scott you're going to have to bolt through these these slides real quick and then we'll come back to the first one they went across the lake to the region of the garrisons when jesus got out of a boat a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him Who had been possessed by the legion of demons Sitting there dressed and in his right mind And they were afraid Those who had, sent, uh, those who had seen it told the people What had happened to the demon possessed man And told about the pigs as well Then the people began to plead with Jesus To leave their region As Jesus was getting into the boat The man who had been demon possessed Begged to go with him Jesus, don't, uh, Jesus said uh, Jesus did not let him but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for them. All the people were amazed. What a great story. What a great story. Let's put this in a context. Let's put this in in, in, where we can put the shoes on of these people. Um, Jesus had just finished teaching um, the disciples they, he taught them about the parable of the, the sower and how they once you spread seed there 's opportunity for the seed to pop up and, 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 then, and then fade because it wasn 't in, in good ground, and then if it 's in really good ground, it will pop up and, and give hundredfold uh, of, of uh, return in the harvest. He taught about the, 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 the lamp on a hilltop, and that the lamp must shine its light to make a difference. And he taught about the parable of the, the growing seed, the farmer who has to have faith when he plants the seed, and the mustard seed, that when you plant this tiny, tiny little seed, this big, huge tree can grow and as long as it's continued to, to be nurtured and given health. He, and then after teaching that, he got into a boat and began to cross the Sea of Galilee uh, to this town that he ends up being in. And, during that time, a big storm grew up, and the disciples were afraid, and Jesus was asleep in the boat, and Jesus, they wake him up, and then he, calls them, he tells them, oh, you of little faith, and then he calms the storm, and they're amazed at the power of who Jesus is. He ends up going across this, this, uh, the Sea of Galilee and they land in a very unique and unlikely place because this is a place called the Gerasenes. This is a place of Gentiles. This is a place of, there's a graveyard right there as they land and not only is there a graveyard but there are pigs along the side of a hillside and, and pigs are not um, a Jewish friend. In fact, they're considered unclean. And so this unlikely stopping point is where we find ourselves. And if if you and I were along with Jesus, and the disciples being Jews were along with him as well, they would be going, why are we going here? Why are are we stopping in in a place of the Gentiles? Why are we stopping in a a, a graveyard? Why are we stopping where there's a whole bunch of pigs? Jesus, we're going to be unclean. And I think the theme of this entire series of unlikely is that we must understand that we need to cross these cultural lines. We need to cross these places where we feel unwelcome or we view them as unclean, but Jesus is calling us to cross those lines to make a difference, to make a difference in the lives of people. He's confronted by a demoniac, once they, they, they set foot on the beach and you can imagine kind of the beach and then maybe if you go up and you, 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 you follow 101 and you go up towards Goleta and uh, right there you see this big hillside and you see these little town along the, the beach side. This could be that kind of setting where we find Jesus coming to the beach and he gets on the beach and um, there is a graveyard. And of course the demoniac is, is the first to seem, seemingly notice Jesus. And there's some pig herders, some unclean Gentiles that are taking care of the pigs and they're watching what's going on and um, they they're understand what's happening and, and they're like, they have no idea that their pigs are just about ready to uh, go pig crazy. <laughs> have no idea that that's going to happen, but they're amazed that this Jesus who jumps out of the boat is all of a sudden confronted by this guy. And so they went across the lake, Jesus gets out of the boat, and a man with the impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. So this, the, there's some supernatural strength, there's some supernatural power, there's some unnatural things going on here, not just a guy that's... that's, that's, that's uh, kind of imprisoned or um, running around in the tombs kind of crazy but this is a guy that they've attempted to do everything they could to bind him up how many know that often when you try and confront spiritual power with human power it doesn't work it doesn't work what you may be trying to defeat in your life is an experience that you've had. I'm not talking about demon possession, but something in your life, something in your heart that you're trying to change and you just can't. Why? Because it's a spiritual power. It's not necessarily demon possession, but it's a spiritual power that you need God's power to deliver you from. And when you try and you, you try and control it, yeah. When you try and control it, when you try and bring it under control, it just doesn't work. Because you have to put it at the foot of the cross, where the power exists. For he had often been chained and hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And um, there's a there's a practice in today's world where um, it's a mental health uh, problem where people are cutting themselves. And, Especially our young our young people are cutting themselves because they're addicted to a pain. And they'd rather experience the pain that distracts them from the emotional pain they're having and they, to to have a physical pain. This crying out that that this guy's doing, I don't know if it's like Whoa! you know kind of werewolf type thing who knows what he was crying out but all they heard all the townspeople heard was this screeching and this this crying out uh, from this guy and if you see people on the street side screaming and yelling the manic depressive type of thing that may be going on in this gentleman We've, we find this this unique characteristic that's happening here it's a supernatural it's a it's a, a possession of uh, demonic activity that's happening in this man's life now again we in, in, in America we have this unique interest in spiritual things if you look at the movie Twilight or you look at the movie um, uh, the, the show The Walking Dead um, there's this this weird kind of interest in afterlife and after death and death coming to life and all these kinds of crazy things. Um, there's a show called "A Discovery of Witches," and it's a very popular show of this attention to this demonic activity and the spiritual world. And believe, believe me, there is a real spiritual world. There's something that exists. Um, there, there was a, a, a book, and I'm trying to think of it. Um, "This Present Darkness," written by a guy named frank peretti if you ever want to read a really good book or a good series of books called uh it starts with this present darkness but frank peretti is the author it's just an amazing uh novel about the spiritual world and i think it's one of the best novels ever written that helps us understand there is a spiritual world and there is a victor and that is jesus so, this guy is all kinds of trouble. This guy is all kinds of problems to this community, and he lives in this in this uh, graveyard and and he runs around and, and what it tells us at the end that he's clothed, which means that in the beginning, he's probably not clothed. So he's running around naked, screaming, cutting himself, probably has the bruises from the chains that they've attempted to hold him in. And we understand that this, this can be a picture of our own struggle with sin. And we need to understand that many times when we try and struggle on our own, when we try and just follow the rules instead of work in relationship with the God of grace and, and the God of power, um, we, we struggle with these kinds of emotional bruises and these kinds of spiritual bruises and, and, and things in our lives. And again, I'm not implying that if you're struggling, you're possessed. That's not. It, it takes a lot to get there, in my opinion. And it's pretty. It, there's some pretty obvious things that happen in your in your life when uh, you've given yourself over to a spirit. But the reality is, is simply this: is that um, we have spiritual struggles that we try and win without the power of God, and we can't do it. We can't do it. In verse six, it says, and, and this is in Mark chapter five. it Says when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him and shouted at the top of his voice, "What do you want with me, Jesus?" Son of the Most High God, in God's name, don't torture me. Isn't it fascinating that this demon or these demons probably had already met up with Jesus at some point in time? Actually, they did. Because what we know of the dark forces, what we know of demons, is that there was a third of the angels that followed the devil from heaven to earth when they were cast out of earth because they chose to follow the devil. These guys had already known what the power of God is like these are these guys already come under that authority in fact they've immediately recognized who's in charge so when you confront evil the first thing you want to do is bring Jesus into it the first thing you want to do is bring Jesus right to the front and go hey if you're gonna if you're gonna fight me you got to go through him That's the best way to fight the enemy in the first place is put Jesus right up front, right in the middle of it and employ and and engage his name because it's by his name that you can fight darkness. This guy fell on his knees. It was an act of worship. It wasn't an act of worship. It was an act of acknowledgement of power. And he begins to beg and say, Jesus, don't torture me. Isn't it funny that the tormentor is afraid of torment? Quite often, the bully is afraid to be bullied. He has no power over you. He can bully you. He can call you names. He can tell you uh, what, what your weaknesses are. He can remind you of your past. But I love this statement. You've heard me say it a few times when the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Devil, you're a loser. <clears throat> This game is not yours. We are the winners. And Jesus said to him, "Come out of this man, you impure spirit!" And Jesus then asked him, "What is your name?" The the, the theologians believe that this didn't happen. This immediate um, <clears throat> deliverance of this man was kind of an argument to back and forth this this enemy was trying to hang on as much as he possibly can and that's what the enemy will do is trying to keep captive everyone who's captive and he'll do everything to deceive us and to 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 lie to us he's the father of lies and we must realize that he doesn't want to go anywhere he wants to stay in control but as soon as you give your life over to jesus he's done He doesn't have control. He can influence. He can can bug us. In fact, the Bible shows us in, in, in the story of Job that he can even, at God's permission, he can test us. But only with God's permission. And so he answers and he says, My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again. Again and again means he's he was, he was saying, I want to hang in here, I want to stay here, I want to stay here. And he, G, he, he begged Jesus again and again, do not send them out of the area. Now legion is interesting because if, if he's using a contextual term to describe what's really happening, in a Roman legion would be 6,000 soldiers with 120 horsemen. And so we're looking at over 6,000 demons that, that if if it's contextually right, then there's over 6,000 of these things controlling this one man. And you can understand why there's torment, why there's just screaming and yelling and chaos and craziness happening in this man's heart and mind and spirit. And why He has a supernatural power why he's unable to be subdued why he's screaming and yelling and cutting himself why because the enemy does nothing but destroy and damage and hurt for we are many and he begged him don't send me out in fact in the book of luke the same story The the demon says, don't send me into the abyss. This is really interesting. In Revelations 20, verses 1 through 3, it says, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a, a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who was the devil, or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the abyss, and locked and sealed it over him, and... Uh, to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended after that there must be he must be set free for a short time (laughs) this is again just a a really good picture of understanding that there one that the abyss the, the the demons were afraid of being put in this holding place this abyss this place where they couldn't torment people anymore because their goal, their ambition, their work, their passion, their every en- ounce of energy for the enemy is to, to frustrate and deceive and deceive, give, uh, give people lies. And so at the end of time, here's what's going to happen. Jesus is going to send the, the, Satan into the abyss, into this holding place. Notice that the chain that Jesus has holds Satan himself. The chains we try and put on don't work but the chains he does work and then the enemy will be bound up for a thousand years we're not in that yet there's going to be a thousand years where jesus reigns this earth it's going to be amazing i don't know what that's going to be like i don't know when that's going to be i don't know how that's all going to look but man that is going to be an amazing time and then at the end of that thousand years there's going to be a big battle for every heart every soul on this planet. So these demons were afraid. Don't send us into the abyss. Don't send us into a place where we can't do our job. Verse 11: A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs, the herd, about 2,000 in number. Can you imagine 2,000 pigs? I worked on a pig farm one time. There were just a few hundred. They stunk. About 2,000 in number rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. This is evidence of Jesus' power and authority. Let's not ever lose sight of the reality that Jesus is in total control and in charge when we yield to him. When we yield to him. And so Jesus sends the the demons and allows them, gives them permission because he's the one in charge. He's the one that has authority. Up to this point, the demons thought they were in charge. They were in charge of this man. They were possessed. They possessed this man. They made him go crazy. They made him do crazy things and do, do, do uh, ridiculous things and damage his, himself by cutting himself. And they thought, okay, if we can't be in the man, let's go into the pigs. I don't know why that was a good option. I, I wouldn't choose to go into a pig. For me, pig life doesn't look all that fun. You know? rooting around in the ground and just making a mess of things i just remember man these pigs they were crazy i don't know if i've ever told the story my pig story to you but um i was on this pig farm and i was told to load this group of pigs into this truck and i didn't i didn't ever do that before uh and so i carried 30 pigs up a ramp into this truck pushing each one. I would, I would get behind the first one and thinking that the first one would lead all the others into the truck. I just pushed the first one and it wouldn't go. It wouldn't go up the ramp. I was taking this to the slaughter. And I, I, so I'd grab the pig by the haunches and I'd flip it over and I'd run up next to it and then I'd grab it by its ears and flip it over again. I did that with 29 pigs. And I was sweating, and the, the farmer's wife, who had never loaded a truck herself, was helping open and close the gate, and, and she was laughing hysterically. The last pig, these are 200 pound pigs. This last pig had to be 300 pounds. And I we got it up to the ramp, and it stopped just like all the others did. I grabbed it by its haunches, I turned it over, and all of a sudden, I'm sitting here like this, snout to nose. This pig was upset, and I went to grab it by its ears, and this pig was bigger than me, and it said, no way, I'm not going, and it pushed its snout right between my legs and began to take off. And I don't know what came over me, but I thought, if I sit on this pig, it'll stop. (laughs) It did not. It was possessed. (laughs) It took off, and the ramp went down and then took a sharp right i was going backwards the pig was going forwards and when it hit that sharp right i took a sharp left <laughs> <laughs> into a wall and that pig just turned around and looked at me as if <laughs> laughing hysterically finally got that pig into the truck and the farmer came home and i said man that was the toughest job i've ever done he goes what are you talking about and i said i i didn't I literally lifted, carried, pushed every pig into that truck. And he goes, why didn't you just put food up the ramp? That's what I do. And they follow the food right into the truck. <laughs> so said, that would have been a helpful piece of information. I considered each pig possessed. <laughs> and that was only 30 of them. These demons didn't understand... What Jesus was doing because he let them go into the pigs, and then once they got into the pigs, the same thing happened to the pigs, but the pigs ran crazy into the water and drowned. Now, it doesn't tell us exactly what happens to the demons, but the assumption and the meaning of this story gives the impression that Jesus said, All right, you want to go into the pigs? Go ahead, go in there, and he knew. that they would go and drown. And they would be in the abyss that they didn't want to be in. That's the power of Jesus. The devil loses. The devil loses. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and countryside. And the people went to see what had happened. When they came, <clears throat> they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed. And in his right mind, they were, and they were afraid. What, what, what are we afraid about? They were afraid of the power of Jesus. They were, they were afraid. Here's what they were really afraid of. Health. Wholeness. Somebody being in their right mind instead of their wrong mind. They were more comfortable with the pain of unhealth than they were with the pain of health. This quite often happens with people that uh, lose a lot of weight or they um, go from being really sick to healthy is that they've grown so comfortable in the poor health situation that they were in that they go back to it because they're more comfortable there. It's very typical with people who are codependent and they're more comfortable being abused than they are being treated well. And these people were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people who what had happened to the demon-possessed man and, and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus, leave their region. Two, two reasons that most people, most theologians believe this happened is one, they were afraid of health. And secondly, they were wanting the income from the pigs. That was a big loss financially. And, and understandably, we would be upset if um, <clears throat> we lost a whole bunch of money but we have to be careful what we seek. Do we seek profit or do we seek the profit? Do we seek Jesus or do we seek comfort and our own personal gain? We have to understand, this, this, is, a, this is not a great recruiting tool either sometimes, but there are, there's sometimes a price to pay when you accept Jesus. And in our culture today, it seems like it's swinging even further that way. Where the more we become like Christ, and I'm not talking politically. I'm just talking about the convictions, the passions, the heartbeat of Jesus. Sometimes we lose friends. Sometimes we have to say, listen, I have to separate myself from that activity. I can't do that anymore. I want to be with you. I'll be with you. But I can't do what we used to do. And sometimes that causes grief. Sometimes that causes pain. Sometimes we have to change our own practices to become more like Christ. And that doesn't make us as popular with our friends, with our family, our coworkers. Whatever the case may be, we have to draw that line somewhere. Not because we don't love them, but because we love Jesus. And he gives us that hope, that, that, that strength, that courage to be able to do that. The interesting thing that happened here. Is that Jesus said, Okay, I'll leave. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him, which I would do. I mean, we all want to do that, right? Where the person who made the biggest difference, you want to hang out with them the the most? And that's the comfort zone. That's the comfort place. That's the place where I'm like, I'm safe with him. I don't have to worry about what other people think. I don't have to worry about what's going on in this world. I don't have to confront anything. I can just be comfortable. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. This is is what it's all about. This was not about Jesus confronting demons. This was about Jesus showing his love to this man and this community. Knowing that they would not accept him, but that they would accept this story. Because that was an undeniable story. You guys, we need to tell our story. It's what has really happened No one could deny that this guy that was running around naked in the tombs, cutting himself and howling at the moon, woo. No one could deny that this is the guy that is now completely transformed, completely changed. No need to chain him up. No need to worry about him. No need to stay away from him because he has been set free by who? Jesus, the Son of the Most High. The same thing has happened to you and me. We aren't who we are because we made an effort to be that. We are are who we are because Jesus has made the difference in our lives. We are who we are because Jesus has come and set us free from our own sin. Jesus has set us free from the the bondage and the pain and the struggling that we do on our own. Yeah, we still make mistakes. Yeah, we still go through challenges and struggles. But we have the power of Jesus to help us win. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, which was a a group of cities, how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. I want you to hear this statement. We must not be the ones pushing the demonized to the curb. We must be the ones lifting them to the cross. If you take anything away from today, we must not be the ones pushing the demonized to the curb. We must be the ones lifting them to the cross. That's where the power is. That's where we've been set free. That's what the hope of this world is. That's, what, that's why the church exists. The hope of this world is on your shoulder and my shoulder because we are the church, we're the body of Christ, who is called to represent him to this world. And if we will do what Jesus did here, not fear the enemy, but confront the enemy in the name of Jesus, then we can see lives delivered and changed just like this one. Amen. My life has been changed. My life has been radically changed. I know many of the lives in, in the stories in this room are because of change that has happened in your heart. Because you your life was brought to the cross. Your life was brought to the cross. And the power of the, 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 the result was all in the very nature of who Jesus is. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that. The meaning of this story is not to look for demons, but to represent Jesus wherever we go. They'll come out. They'll recognize him. They'll go, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Don't torture us. And Jesus will say, come out. In the name of Jesus. Jesus will present the cross with the power of forgiveness of sins. And the resurrection with the power of over death, hell, and the grave. That's why we're here. Let's never ignore that there is an enemy. There is. Let's let's understand that Jesus has all authority over the enemy and that Jesus desires most importantly to deliver all people from the bondage of the enemy. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much that this story helps us understand that, Lord, we're not not looking for demons. They'll come out when you show up. And they recognize your authority And Lord we just pray today That you help us to be an influence Like you were in this story Help us God to to make a difference In cities and communities And neighborhoods and workplaces And and wherever we are By just simply bringing you into Into the situation And circumstance And God most importantly We realize that you weren't there Just to confront demons But you were there to love this man That didn't Deserve That that didn't uh, want these demons to occupy his spirit That you set him free And that you put him in a right mind And you gave him a redemptive experience with you And Lord, I pray that all of us would share our stories With those around us That they would know that you have made a difference In our hearts and our lives That you have delivered us and set us free And I thank you and I praise you for that God, I pray today that your Holy Spirit will use us will use us to bring people to redemption to bring people to their right mind to bring people to their senses to help people get beyond that struggle with the demons in their lives and the, the, the things that are wrong in their lives and Lord that you would set them free God forgive us for even attempting to fight our own battles in our own strength For we know our own chains aren't even uh, uh, strong enough to to hold down the things that, that control us. But Lord, in your name, there's not anything that is strong enough to hold us down. You are the one who can free us from that sin. You are the one who can set us free. You are the one who can help us beyond the challenges that we face and Lord I pray for every person in this room no matter what challenges we're facing that you would give them hope that you would give them deliverance that you would give them the power of your Holy Spirit that you Lord would lift them up and elevate them Lord not to the curb uh, like this demon possessed man was but to the cross where all of us can experience freedom and joy and I thank you and I praise you for that very briefly I just want to ask if today you're fighting battles that you just need the power of the Holy Spirit to help you win will you just raise your hand everybody head bowed, eyes closed just for a moment just say I'm fighting battles that I need Jesus to help me win yeah yeah amen maybe online you, you, you can just there's a way to even raise your hand online but if you're fighting battles today and you need help and strength winning those battles, I want to pray with you right now because I believe that God is present and powerful and wants to right now set you free. God, I pray for every hand that's been raised that in the name of Jesus, you would set each person free from the battle that they're fighting. Whatever it may be, Lord, we believe that there are things in our lives that need to be defeated. There are things that we need to submit to you, that we need to release to you. And I pray right now that you would do that in the name of Jesus. Lord, we employ your name because we know in your name all things are possible by you. <clears throat> you can do anything, Lord, to help us in our struggle, in our, in our fight, Lord, to live for you and to glorify your name. So, Lord, I pray right now, much like this man was set free from his demons, God, let our issues, our challenges, and even our demons, Lord, in the name of Jesus, set people free. By your power, by your grace, and by the power of the cross, and by the power of the resurrection, we declare freedom over these lives. We believe you have done a great work in this very moment. In this very moment. Maybe you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want to encourage you. You can do that right now by just simply accepting the work that God did on the cross. He died on the cross for you, for your sins, so that your sins could be forgiven. He rose again the third day after that so that our the power of the resurrection could live in our hearts and we would have the hope of eternal life. And if we will confess those two things, the Bible says we will be saved. So will you say this brief prayer with me? Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I accept the work of your cross that provides forgiveness of my sins. And today, I thank you for forgiving me of my sins. And today, I am completely righteous. I'm completely whole. Not because of anything I've done, but because of what you did on the cross. And Jesus, I believe that you were raised from the dead. And today, you live eternally. And I look for that hope that I will live eternally with you. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.